Hey there! Welcome to episode 91 of the Authors Read Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Ryan. Today's guest is P.C. Smith, and she'll read from her book, The Shingle Weaver's Picnic. Hello, everyone. I'm here today to tell you a little about my new novel, The Shingle Weaver's Picnic, by P.C. Smith. That's me. It was very exciting to experience the writing of my first novel at the age of 85. It proves that it's never too late to follow your bliss. The story takes place in the early 1940s, just as World War II began to consume the world with tales of evil, death, and destruction. It's a story of a small-town life during that era, a strong-bonded family, a beautiful romance, stories from behind closed doors, a young girl trying to deal with all this thing called war, the murder of one of her playmates, her own personal loss of the war, and grandfathers who adored her and helped her deal with all this terrible confusion. The story is also peppered with a plethora of rich, unique, unforgettable characters who you will love or who you will hate, which will keep you turning page after page. If I do say so myself, The Shingle Weaver's Picnic is really a good read that has re- received many outstanding reviews. One review even likened the novel to To Kill a Mockingbird in quality and writing. So now I'm going to read you a little about one of these characters, and it's the curmudgeon. A small town's venue offers a bright spotlight, like an old vaudeville headliner act, on its one-of-a-kind, unforgettable characters, like its heroes, its angels of mercy, its town drunk, or its shady lady. But what town would be complete without its very own, in-your-face, know-everybody's-business busybody known as the curmudgeon? This unchallenged title fell entirely to Miss Bertha Perkins. She lived on the corner directly across from the city park, When it came to gathering information, either actual or non-factual, her hearing and eyesight were equal in quality to that of a hungry hawk. Nothing in this world or the next pleased her. She had a bone to pick with every living thing in town. She swore that every dog within the city limits came to relieve themselves on her lawn. There wasn't a child born that was not intent on destroying her rose garden. And then... There was her consistent and constant calls to Sayer Davis about a local peeping Tom, a phantom prowler who seemed to target the home of Miss Perkins and her home alone. The location of Miss Perkins' home offered her a broad picture of the town's activities and indiscretions. She considered it her bond and duty to inform the sheriff in great detail of the most insignificant minutiae of everything that took place within her view. It was the bane of Sheriff Davis's existence, but being the kind-hearted, considerate man that he was, he made his token house calls weekly to Miss Perkins, listening for half an hour to her complaints and then handing off all her other observations and complaints to his deputy. Not only was Miss Perkins the hawker of all things bleak, but she also considered her profession of choice to spend her days meticulously collecting every juicy little tidbit of gossip. 
Two of her abundant sources and main partners in Gossip Fodder were the Barstow sisters, who had the ear of the community via their position at the phone company. Miss Perkins visited Miss Millie and Miss Edith regularly and gleaned whatever she could from the most innocent of conversations. Miss Perkins' other source, sources were Madge's Beauty Parlor, a particularly fertile ground for information, since for some reason women tend to tell their hairdresser things they wouldn't even think to discuss with their best friend. And then there was the yarn shop down by the harbor, Mr. Yankin's butcher shop, the Pine Hill Quilting Society, the local post office, which completed Miss Perkins' circle of sources. A good example of her mischief began one December, just a few weeks before Christmas. She was shopping downtown when she just happened to see the mayor's unmarried daughter coming out of the bite-a-wee baby shop, carrying several packages. Before the door shut behind the unsuspecting young lady, Miss Perkins' arch of the innuendo was set into motion. Miss Perkins mentioned what she had seen to the checker at the Wilson's Market, who in turn enhanced the tale and passed it on to Mrs. Grail, the butcher's wife, who added her own personal touch to the story and passed it on to her husband, who then told Sam the plumber that the mayor's daughter was pregnant and planning to marry the child's father, who was the son of our local pharmacist, who related this news to Mrs. Stanton as he repaired her called kitchen sink, who in turn phoned her husband, the local banker, to tell him that the mayor's daughter was not only pregnant, but also the child's father, the pharmacist's son, was under threat of bodily harm by the mayor if the young man didn't make an honest one out of his daughter. The banker, who was a close friend of the mayor, called to ask him if there was anything he could do to help with this crisis. The mayor came unglued at the news and called his wife to demand an explanation as to why he hadn't been told about his daughter's dilemma, and she, upon hearing of the disgraceful state of their daughter's reputation, fainted into a heap, and whose maid immediately called Doc Miller, who in turn called the pharmacist, offering his condolences concerning the news about his son and the mayor's daughter, and requested a prescription for of a sedative to be sent to the mayor's wife. In the meantime, the mayor's daughter, oblivious to the maelstrom of rumors and chaos spreading around town, arrived for her hair appointment at Madge's beauty parlor, where Madge had just finished relating the expanded story of the mayor's daughter to Mrs. Perkins, who was getting a manicure. Upon entering the beauty parlor, the mayor's daughter was all bubbly and excited over her purchase, which she removed from the shopping bags to show all the ladies. Look, are these not the cutest little things you've ever seen? The mayor's daughter smiled as she laid out four tiny little sweaters, one for each season of the year. And look, look at this teddy bear. Isn't it the softest little thing you've ever felt? I can hardly wait for next weekend when I'm going to Seattle for my best friend's baby shower. I've never been to a baby shower before. I'm so excited. Miss Perkins, feigning complete innocence concerning the outrageous rumors flying around town, complimented the mayor's daughter for the appropriateness of her gift selection and left the beauty parlor without saying a word. It took almost two weeks to trace the culprit of the rumors, but when it came to rumors, Miss Perkins was always number one 
on the usual suspect list. It wasn't only that Miss Perkins was a rumor monger, but the destruction she sometimes left in her path of verbal hurricanes couldn't always be rebuilt. In the case of the mayor's daughter, the ridiculousness of the situation soon became apparent, and eventually the source of many laughs, but some of her meddling in the personal affairs of others left lasting scars and resentment. I'd like to thank PC for sharing her book with us today. And thank you for listening to the Authors Read Podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for the link to the book. If you'd like to support the Authors Read Podcast, please like, subscribe, or share. Until next time!